Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. News and stuff right after this. Hey, when painful trials enter your life, you can choose to trust or to doubt God's plan for you. Trust in the Lord is built upon three essential truths, and that's His love and His wisdom and His sovereignty. God's love for us is, well, it's perfect, isn't it? He always does what is best for us in order to accomplish His goal, namely our transformation into the image of His dear Son, Jesus. And then dependable, God's love is an integral part of His nature, according to 1 John 4 8. To act in an unloving way would be going against his character, and he never contradicts his own being. The spirits present within each believer confirms the Lord's caring attitude toward you, his child. And then consistency. Not only is our Father's love perfect and dependable, his love is also consistently demonstrated. The actions he performs or permits in our life, even the hardest of ones, are just expressions of his love toward us. This makes no sense to us if we assume that peace and happiness show that we have a caring father, and trouble somehow does not show that. Scripture teaches us to regard hardships as part of the training program. When tempted to doubt, remember Calvary, my friend. God demonstrated his infinite and loving nature by sending Jesus to die for us. What in the world is going on. Now let's see, um, be sure your sin will find you out? The chickens have come home to roost? How many others could we add here? What a difference just a few years makes. Bill, 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 I did not have, well, you know. ABC News was the first to report over the weekend that former President Bill Clinton is expected to be one of those identified as a John Doe in the previously redacted documents related to convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. This won't be good. It's an about-face for the Disney-owned network after a former anchor said executives spiked her story in 2019. She had all this info. Yet leaked footage of the NABC News anchor Amy Robach shocked the media industry when she was caught saying the Disney-owned network spiked her story. I had the story for three years. We would not put it on the air. That's the way the left-leaning loonies work. Robach said that on a hot mic, referring to reporting that it was taken place back in 2016. Oh, it's a wicked, demonic game the politicians and the media play. It's unbelievable, she said, that we had this story and it never aired. Oh, it's, that's not unbelievable at all. I wonder what the retaliation will be. Israel killed the top Hamas official in Beirut, well, second in charge, Saleh Al-Ori. Hamas's deputy political leader and the co-founder of its military wing was killed in a suspected Israeli drone strike in Lebanon's capital yesterday. Hamas confirmed it. They said, get ready. We're coming back after you. Never ends this evil, does it? What happened there? A passenger plane hit a Japanese Coast Guard plane and burst into flames while landing at Tokyo's Haneda Airport yesterday. All 367 passengers miraculously escaped the Japan Airlines, along with their 12 crew members, and all five, unfortunately, of the Coast Guard plane died. They said if the plane had been just a little bit further out, everybody would have died. How smart is he really? 
does it matter when you have money to burn? Who cares? X's value. You heard of X, huh? That's Twitter. Hey, it's plunging <laughs> even today, but it's down 72% since Elon Musk bought it. It's a good thing that Musk owns a lot of successful companies because uh, the social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, is worth a whole lot less than when the billionaire bought it for $44 billion in October of 2022. Wow. But if you got money to burn, who cares, huh? Where have I heard this before? You're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. Well, that's getting a lot of attention recently, especially with the American dream that they say is gone. And Gen Z has dumped the idea of owning homes for some real luxury rentals. That sounds good. The actual quote there that I shared is from 2016 and a video by the World Economic Forum that summarized the concepts of a politician of the times. But the idea actually has been around for generations through the ideologies of communism and Marxism, as well as the contemporary socialism that's growing by leaps and bounds in this new America. After all, what ideas are the incredibly popular Lyft and Uber based on other than renting a transportation service that you don't want to own. Now a report has come out on Fox Business News revealing that many members of America's Gen X are moving quickly in that direction, balking at home ownership that was, well, that was a primary goal for their great-grandparents, grandparents, and oh yeah, probably even their mom and dad. It's gone. No, those of the Gen Z generation want to rent a luxury apartment. That's it. So much being discussed now, the changing priorities in which Gen Z members are refusing to pursue a mortgage in favor of an apartment filled with goodies. It's just a crazy mixed up world. I don't understand it. Do you? Turn out the lights. She's out of here. Claudine Gay ended her tenure yesterday as the shortest president in the history of Harvard University. Yet her resignation statement didn't acknowledge the scandals that led to the ouster, instead suggesting that racism in America was to blame for her ouster. The incident arguably illustrates the effectiveness of conservative critics in drawing attention to Gay's many scandals, the craziness involved in the university so rooted in diversity, equity, and inclusion, the famous DEI, that's demonic, that it refuses to acknowledge the ideological roots of this scandal. Oh, she really didn't do anything wrong, but she's out of here. Gay, who became Harvard's president in September of last year, testified about anti-Semitism on campus at a December 5th hearing in the House of Representatives, and that was a total disaster. Toward the end of the hearing, Representative Elise Stefanik of New York asked Gay and two other university presidents whether calling for the genocide of Jews... Calling for the genocide of Jews violates the code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment at their universities. All three of these women hedged on that one, saying, the answer depends. Oh, my goodness. It's the new America, a flood of evil. You'll soon read about it in our new book. What in the world happened here? 25 cents left in your account. What happened to the $62,900?
An elderly couple was left with just a quarter in their account after they lost thousands of dollars, wiped out. Their savings wiped out as they fell victim to a scam involving Target gift cards. Nina Kamazi, the victim's daughter, revealed that her dad, 77, had received an email from an account purported to be a Geek Squad employee, per an ABC affiliate here, WSB. The note ordered the man to call a number to stop a so-called $450 charge. The scammer allegedly threatened to call the FBI and the cops, pressuring the man to hand over thousands of dollars. Kamazi revealed her dad bought around $30,000 worth of Target gift cards. That fraudster then allegedly told him to relay the card numbers back. Three accounts were drained of $62,900, and they left 25 cents in the account. Where's my gun? They said it. Great thoughts any day of the year. The key to success in life is not seeking position or power or wealth, but rather seeking the Lord. Charles Stanley. Desire only God, and your heart will be satisfied. C.H. Spurgeon said, When I was coming to Christ, I thought I was doing it all myself. And though I sought the Lord earnestly, I had no idea the Lord was seeking me. The thought struck me. How did you come to be a Christian? I sought the Lord. But how did you seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should not have sought Him unless... There had come some previous influence in my mind to make me seek him. You didn't do it. God did. He who begins by seeking God within himself may end by confusing himself with God. You don't do it, my friend. It is all. Everything is almighty God. I don't know. I think I would be saying enough is enough. A Waukesha man. This is from Racine County, Wisconsin. He's 47 years old, arrested Friday, accused of his eighth, count him now, eight operating a vehicle while intoxicated offenses. Eight. The Racine County Sheriff's Officer said Kevin Tarbo was pulled over after deputy paced him at driving 100 miles an hour in his Jeep on Interstate 94. An investigation revealed that Tarbo's driver's license was revoked and he had seven prior OWI convictions starting back in 1994. The latest was back in 2015. Tarbo was also on probation for his latest OWI conviction. However, he was not compliant with the terms of his probation and had a felony warrant out through Wisconsin's Community Correction Center. It's hard to comprehend that someone with seven prior OWIs was not incarcerated and able to earn his eighth OWI Friday night. Although he was traveling over 100 miles an hour in a construction zone on a slick road, while intoxicated, we are all breathing a big sigh of relief that he didn't seriously injure or kill innocent people. My, oh my. Really, this is happening. We never thought we'd share something like this, but you might want to find a way to stream darts this afternoon on your television. That's because a kid named Luke the Nuke Littler is a 16-year-old phenom who loves eating kebabs, playing Xbox, and throwing sharp objects. He's going to compete in the PDC Starts World Championships. Ever heard of it? It's in the finals. If he wins, he becomes the youngest dart champion of all time in the history of the world. Okay. Darts is exploding, they say, starting in Europe. 
and Littler's storybook run begins boasting its profile even more. Littler's quarterfinal victory reached a peak with one and a half million people watching. And today they're going to smash the record. Millions will watch a 16-year-old throw darts. Oh, good grief. And President George Washington, he did not use uh, his right to free speech to defeat the British. He shot them with guns. Defend the Second Amendment. And let's be honest, the problem is not guns. It's hearts without God, and homes without discipline, schools without prayer, and courts without justice. Well, it seems like only yesterday I was watching Ted Elm finish things in the garden for the fall up there in Duluth, Minnesota. Today he sent me a picture, I don't know how many feet of snow there on his deck. Oh, boy. I'm glad I live here. Okay, where's my Bible? Life 101, right after this. Just thinking today, we have done thousands of these radio programs in the last several years. Yes, we have. God has blessed. I enjoy telling you what's happening in the world today, certainly giving you my opinion, and being able to share the good news of Jesus Christ and various portions of Scripture as we broadcast Hello World over the Internet. Coming out of WHCB in Tri-City, Tennessee, thank you so very, very much for allowing us into your home, car, wherever, every day at this time. Tell others about the broadcast. Join me, like us, and friend us on Facebook, Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. And those of you in Tri-City, we're going to see you before long, getting into the new year, and uh, it'll be time for the Spring share thon at the end of February, first part of March there at WHCB. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for all you've done for us this past year. Church. Oh, it's so 2023. How to do church in 2024? You know, final words are important words. Do you recall? It hadn't been that long ago. The last words of President George H.W. Bush said to his son, I love you. Last words. They're important, aren't they? First Corinthians was written by missionary church planner Paul of Tarsus about 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. It was addressed to a group of new Christians in the Greek city of Corinth. That was about, uh, what, three or four years after the planting of the church. All of the believers were new in Jesus Christ. Yeah, they were babes. Most importantly, they lived in one of the most thoroughly pagan cities in the ancient world. And as it is with any believer who tries to take seriously the call of Christ in a non-Christian world, and we're certainly seeing that a lot today, these people really struggled. They had questions, and they were sometimes confused. I often asked, who is the author of confusion? Well, these Corinthians were confused. They frequently made mistakes, do you? And sometimes, ooh, they made some whoppers. This letter covers two main subjects. First, Paul speaks to two problems that he'd been told about by the couriers of the letter. In verses 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Corinthians 16, we hear about church fights. How's your church doing that? Boy, in my early days, we had a number of them and a number of church splits as well. And secondly here, it was tolerance of immorality in the fellowship, verses 5 and 6. 
And of course, then the rest of the book addresses a series of questions that the Corinthians had asked Paul about. Behind the questions was a common piece of confusion or distortion. Some in Corinth apparently had developed the idea that true spirituality was a matter of special visions or some spiritual insights that placed the recipients above the normal concerns of life. Oh, yeah. Some Christians seem to claim that their spiritual gifts of speaking in different languages excuse them from listening and learning God's truth or behaving according to normal standards of Christian conduct. Almost all of 1 Corinthians can be best understood against the background of this total confusion. Paul attempts to ground their faith, and we need to think about this today, not in those experiences, that excitement, oh, how super is that? No, they need to be grounded in the truth of the gospel. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free, and the call of holy living and being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how's Paul going to do this? What are Paul's final words? Tucked away in the middle of the final chapter here, 1 Corinthians 16, are two verses we should look at. We will call them the uh, how to do church from this day forward. Let's uh, do more in 24. They seem to be pretty simple, pretty clear. Five basic points. They're easy. Paul lays out the principles of these things to the believers, what they needed to hear, what they really needed to heed in life, and to remember that if they wanted their future faith and church life to be what both they and God wanted them to be, they had to do these things. And here they are. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And do everything in love. Now, there's five commands here. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to break these things down. The first four commands go together, and the last one's all alone. Together, they describe what might be called really the two sides of Christian fellowship or life in the church today, both very important. If you've read anything by Gary Smalley and John Trent, they will call these things the two sides of love in their work in marriage and family. We're talking about the church here. On the one hand, you have the tough side, and on the other side, you have the big T called tender, the tender side. A healthy, happy church life requires that we be both tough-minded, that we think clearly and believe soundly, and be tender-hearted, that we extend compassion and forgiveness in a self-denying, Jesus-style love. Imagine the horrible state of affairs, and we reverse that, and the church becomes weak-minded and tough-hearted. I don't even want to talk about that. When we're weak on convictions and hard on one another, let's consider this important balance that is needed to do the church today. This balance was needed at the church there in Corinth, and uh, yeah, you need it in your church today. We certainly do. We've got to be tough-minded in our faith. The first four challenges of the text are all military terms. Sure they are. First century readers would have recognized them as such, and they're also present imperatives in the grammar. Imperative, meaning a command, intended to be a continuing habit pattern, a good habit, not just something that's done once, then you forget all about it. Now, there's four tough-minded commands here. First of the four, be on guard. Watch out. Picture a military sentry posted at the outskirts of the camp. I remember watching many old Western movies with Dad. Oh, I loved them. 
and the good guys make it to camp for the night and the fire started. And the first thing they do after that is decide who is going to stand guard tonight. They take turns watching so the others can sleep in safety. This term is used nearly two dozen times in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24. It's often, by the way, in reference to anticipating Jesus' return and the judgment to come. Listen to Jesus. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time the of the night the thief was coming, well, he'd have kept watch and would have not let his house get broken into. So you also need to be ready because the Son of Man is going to come at an hour when you don't expect him. That's Matthew 42, 43, 44. Paul's call to spiritual alertness. That's what we have here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 6. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they're not going to escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. So why must we stand guard? For the same reason that a military camp posts those sentries out there, there are enemies out there to watch for. And make no mistake about it, there are spiritual enemies that every Christian and every church has to be alert to today. For centuries, Christian thinkers have termed them the world, the flesh, the devil, the three big enemies. When you find a church or a believer wounded, when you find one hurting today, it's always one of these three, the world, the flesh, the devil, and the same enemies have broken through and maybe are holding you captive today. Stand guard, stay awake, an unbelieving world that neither knows nor cares nor knows the ways of God is waiting in the shadows. Satan, the enemy of our souls, he's standing there ready, if not him, one of his demons. Our flesh, our humanness, our old habit patterns, our old predispositions to sin, and disobedience, that's ready to take over at a moment's notice. Command one for a tough-minded faith and do the first thing here. Be on guard. And here's where we are today. All the confusion in the world, and you hear the news every day, and it seems to be getting worse. I don't know where we are here, but it is a mess, my friend. And here's the key. The more you get away from God, the farther away He is, you take the walk, you turn and walk, it gets worse, my friend. Wasn't so bad in the starting of America, right? Founded on the principles of the Word of God? Absolutely. Presidents that acknowledge God consistently? Where are we this year and next? We are in a mess, and we've done it to ourselves. So get close to God, and things will change for you. You're not always going to look like the winner in the eyes of the world, but you will be a winner in the eyes of Almighty God. That is a key today. So what we have here is doing church in 2024. So did you did you make any? A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. And then my New Year's resolution is to stop listening to people, hanging out with them, those who ask me about my New Year's resolutions. One guy says his is to stop checking his email at 3 o'clock in the morning.
4.30 is much more practical. Hey, that's it. Had to say for another day. Hey, you got a copy of our book yet? Invisiblewarthersaints.com. And uh, boy, we're almost finished. Going to head to the publisher with the new America flood of evil coming out sometime this year. Hey, join me on Facebook if you can. Greg, J-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, January the 3rd, 2024. I am Greg Patton. God bless. Have a great day.